Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business, presented by FL Montreal. My name is Dan Delmar, and with me tonight, as always, is Josh Meller on this, our last remote crisis management special of this year, our season finale before we take a break into the fall. Josh, welcome. Hello, Dan. And we are remote, of course, as usual, uh, under these new circumstances, and we're hearing this could last a while. We could certainly be in the situation in the fall as well. Um, what are you thinking in terms of uh, what your message is, Josh, to business leaders as, uh, as we struggle to adapt to the new reality? And that's, that's just it. I mean, every day is different. Every day comes out with new information and you can try and predict as much as you can, but bottom line is be nimble, you know, be ready to, to change on a dime. Don't harp over the fact if you haven't made a decision, if you feel like you're being late in something, just go and do it. It's, it's okay to be a little late as long as you make sure you get things done and look ahead. Don't think it's going to change tomorrow. It's definitely going to be weeks, months until, uh, until things, uh, things change and definitely months until things get back to whatever you want to call normal. So uh, don't, don't be afraid to make that decision on the spot. So our last podcast has some basic details about all the government support that business owners need to know. So you can go to flmontreal.com to check that out. And throughout the summer, we hope that this episode in particular will provide some inspiration for entrepreneurs. And so we're going to talk about adapting uh, with Joseph uh, Scheib from Les Reines de la Mer, how they have adapted in these times. Uh, JC Torquia from Torque Communications will have a PR segment, which I'm very much looking forward to. And Mike Newton uh, with, uh, with running your business and communicating to your clients and, and dealing with everything manager needs to deal with. That's at the end of the show. Uh, but first, speaking of adapting, Josh, uh, Paul Circa from Circa Distilleries, certainly adapting his business on a dime. Let's bring in Paul right now. Paul, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Oh, glad to be here. And Josh, talking about adapting, we've seen um, you know a lot of Montreal companies just completely changing their offerings. And in this case, um, Paul is making a product that everyone needs right now. No, that's right. And, and Paul, we definitely want to get to that. And it's really interesting to hear how you how you pivoted so well. But before we get there, just quickly, when when the news first hit, how what was your initial, what was your first reaction to everything that was going on and how it was going to affect your business? I mean, it was, um, I mean, there's a lot of information that um, to a great degree was quite difficult to process. Um, I mean, we weren't really sure what the, you know, kind of short-term and long-term impacts were going to be. We um, we kind of knew that it would have an immediate um, effect on our business, um, principally because about 25% of our revenue we get from events and tours that happen at the distillery. And we knew that was going to cease. Um, the biggest hit on that was actually having to refund deposits for people that had placed for events over the next six months. Um, so aside from the fact of, you know, kind of licking your wounds and going, okay, we're not going to get that revenue, we actually, you know, took quite a cash flow hit. Now that you're thinking about that, and, and I get the fact that you're, you're you're worrying about, you know, the day, the next week or whatever, mm -hmm. you, you actually were, were pretty quick or relatively quick to, to pivot and, and change your, change your operations. Maybe you can yeah. kind of elaborate a little bit on that and, and kind of the timing and, and what you did. Yeah, that's, um, you're, you're right. I, I guess we were one of the first to announce that we were going to move into hand sanitizers. I'm, I mean, I, I follow and communicate with a lot of my colleagues and not just in Quebec, but rest of Canada, and the United States. And 
a number of them had kind of mentioned the fact that, look, if you're making alcohol, you have the ability to move into this. I didn't know what that really meant from either excise tax or from Health Canada. So we really quickly did some research. Um, so first is that we pay very high tax on on alcohol that you drink. So I wanted to make sure that we weren't going to have a huge tax burden. So I contacted our excise agent. Um, and oddly enough, they kind of said, look, we'll get to you. Um, so we initially were stonewalled a little bit, but we went, okay, forget this. We're just going to push through. So we just contacted everybody that we knew and finally received someone who, you know, said, look, I will help you. And we, as quickly as we could, started the application process on, you know, getting special permits, getting approval from Health Canada, things like that. So, I mean, it was the morning that we kind of made the decision, look, we have alcohol, we make alcohol, we can respond to this. Um, <clears throat> that's when we kind of just put all wheels in motion to figure out how to do it. From the time that you decided to make the hand sanitizer to the time you actually got into production and delivering, um, how, was, how long was that time frame? Um, it seems like forever, but it took less than two weeks. Um, and that was getting all approvals, even from the federal government, which was quite amazing. Um, so within, within two weeks, we were actually licensed and able to start producing um, sanitizer for the, you know, for the market. Where do you distribute? Because you need almost new distribution channels when doing this. So to where do you distribute? Yeah, so I mean, our first intent really wasn't to retail. Um, it wasn't, hey, we have an opportunity here to replace revenue that we may have lost from other sources. Actually, our first um, our first thought was really, we have to help. Um, it wasn't based on um, kind of market opportunity. It was based on market need that we can supply. So we actually contacted Sante Montreal and said we have the ability to produce alcohol. So we... We've been channeling that through, um, I guess you could say, philanthropic um, practices mm -hmm. and getting it out into the community because the community needs it. But as a result of that, we've actually, um, you know, we've received a lot of inquiries on the retail side of it. So um, we've developed a relationship with um, with a company here called the Unscented Company that retails soaps and things like that. Because we're not a distributor, we're, you know, we're a manufacturer, we rely on other people to distribute. And so to actually set up a distribution channel was a whole other um, area that, quite frankly, we didn't have the time or energy to start getting into. Um, so we've been relying on the city to help us with, you know, kind of the free product and then we're relying on business relationships so we have sold a little bit to help offset the cost of doing the free stuff but that wasn't our initial intention so paul you know you you've been working with the city and and working i guess with some government programs has it been a quick process is there any quick one piece of advice you can you can tell anybody as far as working with these agencies um, if there's desire on them on their side to be as responsive as entrepreneurs are, then it can work incredibly quickly. If they're not, um, I say move on. Um, so the city, once we found the right person at the city of Montreal, we actually managed to put 
the distribution pickup and everything else quickly in place, but we weren't going to wait. Um, so if Montreal didn't respond, we were ready to move on to other areas. Um, I mean, a good example of that was actually the province, which was quite slow to respond that we reached out to. And we just, we just said, okay, fine, we're, we're dealing with the city. Because um, in this time, we can't, we don't have time to wait so that we, you know, we're relatively impatient as entrepreneurs anyway. You know, we just said, look, if you can't respond within a short period of time, we're going to move on to somebody else. Paul Circa of Circa Distilleries. Thanks so much, Paul. Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people by FL Montreal. The season finale, another remote crisis management special. And uh, Josh, we're going to talk about um, inspiring stories for, uh, for this episode to take entrepreneurs into what will be a very trying summer, no doubt. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about P- uh, PR on the way as well and management. Um, but first, how some businesses, especially in the restaurant industry, um, have pivoted very quickly. And the example of Joseph Shaib from La Cinde de la Mar uh, is certainly one. And, uh, and they have an entire retail operation that has to keep going. We have to feed people. That's right. And, and Joseph, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Now, we know you have, a, uh, for La Cinde de la Mer, we know there's a restaurant side and there's a storefront side. So when this first came about, when, when coronavirus, when COVID-19 first came about, did you still operate the restaurant for a little bit until you were told to close? Um, actually, uh, it took me a couple of days uh, to decide to close the restaurant. Um, I, I initially wanted to uh, stay open with a skeleton team, but I realized that my staff was not comfortable. Um, it, so I sat down with them and I, we discussed it and I realized that they're not comfortable uh, serving. And uh, we took the decision because obviously this is not something that you say, okay, you, you, it's, a, it's a team effort and we realized that um, we had to close the restaurant, which we did uh, the next day. And uh, when it comes to the fish market, we uh, we have basically two businesses in one. We have a fish market and the restaurant, like you had said. Uh, we we stayed open and we tried to elaborate a little bit more our services before we didn't uh, deliver. Uh, now we started delivering, and we tried to elaborate a little bit more our uh, offering uh, to clients and try to. To serve them as best as we can. So, Joseph, let's break that down a little bit. There's a lot of there's a lot of restaurants and a lot of storefronts that are starting delivery. How big of a change was that? Was it hard to find drivers? Is it hard to 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 manage the the processing of the orders coming in? Did you go online or only take phone orders? How did that work for you? Well, it's actually uh, it was quite difficult, like you said. This is not um, you know you you, you want to pivot as fast as you can, but it's it's difficult to get people to come in and install new software and everything else. So what we decided was basically to go back to basics and uh, just. We take uh, uh, phone phone calls, and we um, I hired some of the existing staff that wanted to do some delivery. So we tried to do as much as we can to serve the clients, and 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 try to keep our business open. Obviously, your business went from uh, we we went from a hundred percent, obviously, to ten percent of what we usually do, but at least that kept our business going, and uh, we managed to. Uh, 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 through the delivery and through other things that we're doing to bring it up uh, another 10%. So um, we've, we've been managing very well. And uh, it's been uh, it's been uh, trying times because obviously, like you said, it was always a trial and error. And so far, so good. We're staying positive and uh, we have to serve uh, people as much as we can. 
from from a supply standpoint, are you having trouble getting your fish or your your produce? I won't lie to you. It's been a little bit more difficult to find all the products. We have obviously 30, 40 different kinds of products in the fish market, but uh, we would have interruptions in certain, in the salmon, sometimes we had issues that uh, they couldn't deliver at you know certain times. But all in all, it was so far, it's it's been good. Um, I cannot complain, but obviously not all the products have been uh, easy to get. That's for sure. And what about reaching your customers? How are you doing? How are you reaching your customers? Like you said, you went back to basics, um, but I don't know if you're if if online is is working for you, or if you're just trying word of mouth. Uh, how, how are you reaching your customers? Well, we actually uh, uh, through everything that we had on it. We obviously uh, are on. Uh, uh, social media. We did a lot of social media ads and try to reach a client as much as we can. I use the radio, obviously, because you need something instantaneous, letting the people know that you're delivering. Uh, you can't, you know, uh, you can't build that up. It has to be instantaneous. And I, radio did uh, extremely well for us. We try to let the people know as much as we can, and uh, it was, it was, um, it happened right away from the moment we started on radio. The next day, our business just, you know, shot up, obviously, uh, 10%. So um, it was it was a good way to reach our, our clients. With all the government programs out there, is there any that you're able to avail yourself of? Have you already tried to, to investigate or go down any of those routes? Well, actually, uh, the government has been a great help, I have to admit. Um, we're out of uh, 65 employees. Obviously, we put about 55 on unemployment. We kept 10, uh, 10 employees on full, uh, uh, on full time. Uh, obviously, when you do that, you get 75% back from the government when it comes to a payroll. Um, that was a great help. Obviously, we didn't get any money yet, but it, we know it's coming. Um, the other issue was the, um, the $40,000 that uh, you would get from uh, a zero interest loan. Uh, that has been an issue for us because uh, initially it was the million, you, you, your um your payroll has to be a million dollars, then they brought it up to 1.5 million. I'm actually slightly higher than that. So we don't have access to that money. And hopefully uh, in the near future, they will get to change that, um, that minimum limit and uh, we'll be able to uh, have access to that money because it would be very helpful to have access to that money, uh, at least for the next uh, uh, year or year and a half, because we don't know how this thing is going to finish or how is it or when it does finish, how does how does it start? They're talking about having face masks. How do you go to a restaurant with a face mask? How you know? So it's a, there's going to be there's a lot of unknowns. So we have to be ready for for everything, and we have to be uh, uh, like you said, nimble in to try to uh, uh, reignite the business and start over. But it's going to be a very slow process. Joseph Shabe from La Cine de la Mar, uh, thanks so much, and thank you to your employees as well for keeping us all fed during this crisis. We appreciate your efforts. Thank you to everyone and a special thank you to the health workers and all the ones that are working now to keep us safe. Thanks again. It's our last show of the season and then today's entrepreneur will return in the fall. But in the meantime, we wanted to leave you with some wisdom and some experience, uh, especially for entrepreneurs and managers to help best navigate these crazy times um, as we head into the summer. And joining us now uh, on something that is very close to my heart is PR and communications. And we welcome JC Torquia, Jean-Claude Torquia of Torquia Communications. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur, JC. Thank you for having me, Dan. And Josh, PR and communications encompasses so much. So we'll talk about 
about sort of more web-related stuff uh, and, and what we do in a little bit, but I want Jay-Z's opinion because he has decades of experience on me, and uh, I think this would would offer uh, perhaps a much-needed uh, calmness and clarity for entrepreneurs as communications is, is so critical. And that's right. And, and JC, thank you so much for being with us. There's no question that uh, the, the buzzword for this little segment is going to be all about communication and what entrepreneurs should communicate and to who. Uh, you know, we, we've already dealt in past episodes with dealing with your, your staff and your team members. So we'll leave that aside for now. It's really talking with the public, talking with your customers, your suppliers, uh, the, the world, so to speak. Uh, so what are, your, what are your first thoughts about what entrepreneurs should communicate to this outside world, these third parties? Well, let's let's look at the um, uh, how governments, for instance, have been handling the situation. If you look at our own premier, for instance, uh, Josh, you know, every day he comes out at the end of the day and and gives us a, a sort of a, an update on the situation and gives us a, a, a you know some advice. Uh, and that's what entrepreneurs need to do. At the end of the day, they they need to communicate to their to their stakeholders. Their stakeholders are obviously internal stakeholders, employees, suppliers, partners. But they need to get, you know, uh, their, their, the word out uh, towards their, their their customer. And obviously, uh, the more you do it, and the more you do it in a very sincere, transparent, fluid, uh, and humble way, the more effective it, it's going to be for your 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 firm, your organization, and 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 for the the customers that you serve. Should there be should there be one message, the same message going out to everybody? Should you direct something different to your customers versus your suppliers? You know, your customers want to make sure that that you're still, you know, for those that can, that you're still there to support and do whatever. Your suppliers, of course, want to make sure that, you know, you still are operating again to the extent that you're able to, uh, whether an essential service. Uh, so should there be different lines of communication or well, should it be a blanket? No, it shouldn't. It, there should be separate lines, uh, Josh, because your customers right now, what matters for them most is, are you going to be in business and are you going to be safe? So, you, And when you will be in business again. So how are you uh, communicating to them is, effect, is very important. What you say to them is very important and really what you stand for. This is a big opportunity for, uh, opportunity for companies to re-communicate uh, their attributes, what their service offering is, and how they're going to make their product or or retail store or restaurant safe for them in the future for your employees for for partners it, it's equally important but in a different way they need to know that there's a captain on board they need to know you know what your vision is how you're going to adapt what's in it for me uh, and that has to be taken um, it, to a different level uh, direct communication. It could be through email. It could be through a, a microsite for them. But either way, it's so important to communicate during these times because if you don't communicate, rumors start flying everywhere. And then you lose control of the message. And you don't want to be in a position where you're defensive. You want to be proactive. You want to be, you want to, you want to be reassuring. Uh, and you want to be sincere. Um, I've always said this to, to our clients uh, over the years. Nobody expects companies to be perfect. I agree with you. There's there's no such thing as perfection and nobody should strive for it. Otherwise, there won't be communications going anywhere. So when you, you know, you mentioned online and I'm going to turn to Dan for a moment and say, Dan, you know, online is when you really hit 
a lot of people at once. Certainly everybody is on their computers more as they have to order things online instead of going to stores. So the message, the online message is also very, very important. What do you say in that respect? It's important. And it's also very, very tricky. So um, I'm going to give a shout out to our blog that we wrote on this at tnkr.ca. And what you have to look at are all your critical communications channels versus your less critical channels. So Instagram, less critical. Newsletter, super critical. So I'm a huge fan of newsletters because you can market to your audience on an opt-in basis. So my perspective is that when you're in one of these emergency situations, um, it's best to go with forms of marketing that uh, that require some consent, right? Because you don't want to be springing stuff on people too often when they could be having a rough week or uh, are expecting more critical communications. So the newsletter is an excellent way to do that. Your website, of course, having a good inbound marketing strategy on your website is critical. Um, social media also can be extremely tricky. So again, um, when you're pushing stuff on people, that's that's where I start to push back a little bit from a PR perspective. And uh, social media buying, like boosting posts, um, that can be perceived as tactless, depending on what you're selling. So that, that can be very tricky to navigate. Uh, hashtagging, another super important uh, subtlety that a lot of people don't understand. So if you put a little uh, hashtag or that, um, that pound symbol before COVID, COVID-19 or coronavirus, what you're doing is you're activating a search parameter and also sort of reaching people who are trying to reach critical information on COVID-19. So if you're trying to sell something in that environment with that hashtag, that's going to be seen as bad etiquette as well. So it, there's a lot to, to consider. It's very complicated. So check with your consultant, um, your, your marketing consultant, and they can help you through these uh, subtle uh, digital language types of scenarios. So if, if I can, ju- just before we wrap up this, this very important segment, and we can go on for a long time, I'll kind of ask each of you, Dan and JC, what would be, if you had to throw it one, the fastest, the quickest bit of advice for entrepreneurs and what they should what they should keep in mind when they're communicating. And Dan, we'll go to you first. Uh, from an online perspective, what's the single message that an entrepreneur should take away? Less is more. Uh, definitely only reach out if you have to. Give your audience the bare minimum critical information and then take a step back. And unfortunately, you have to kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit and um, and just wait for the opportunities to come to you and work on your inbound tactics. Great, thanks. And JC, what, w- what would you say? What would be your one, p- one piece of advice for today's I, entrepreneur? I certainly echo uh, Dan's opinion on that. Um, that what you don't want to do is look as though you're, you're exploiting the situation. That's, that's uh, you know, consumers are very smart today and, and they can see right through you. You have to be sincere. You have to do it fluidly. You have to do it when, you know, there's something to say uh, and, and, and do that to your internal audiences as well. It's not just about the public. It's about your people. Your people have to be supportive and they, they have to rally behind you. And the, the best way to do that is to communicate them with them fluidly and sincerely. And even if the news isn't always good, nobody expects this to be an easy uh, ride. So uh, frankness, uh, sincerity and uh, empathy is, is, I think, the key. Thank you, Jean-Claude Torquia of Torquia Communications. And on a personal note, JC, uh, thank you for helping me early on in my public relations career. Uh, coming in from journalism, a very hyper-competitive kind of world, uh, it was really nice that, that people in, in the PR industry were willing to uh, take some time and, uh, and help me out. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Dan. It was a pleasure to be on the show. 
And we want to end the show uh, with Mike Newton at FL to talk about general direction and just how managers and uh, entrepreneurs can handle this crisis for the coming months. Mike, welcome back. Hey, Dan. Hey, Josh. How are you? We are good, and uh, we'll jump right into it. There's there's always so much to talk about when this when you're talking about running a business, and and you've had a you know you run an essential business, and you there's there's a big team around you. Uh, what's been if you had to pick one, and I know it might be tough. What's been the most challenging aspect in continuing to run the business? Well, I, there's there's three points, and I think they all kind of hang under uh, under one big umbrella, and that really is keeping on top of of what's going on, and whether that is the uh, the information relative to to public health, whether it's the information relative to ongoing business subsidies and support, um, but the unknown in any environment is probably the worst thing that we deal with, and and there's no doubt that a situation like this, uh, you know, uh, basically just exploits all of us when it comes to the unknown. Uh, we're looking at an environment where we don't. Don't know health-wise what's going on, economically what's going on, and that creates an awful lot of unrest and an awful lot. So you're dealing with a business and an emotional component, uh, and everybody at once. We're used to managing crisis, but it's usually one piece or another piece, not uh, not the whole world happening at once. So I think it's just this this ongoing balancing of of a number of things that it's posing the biggest uh, you know the biggest obstacle not just to to us but to all our clients and people in the community. No question, and 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 like we've been saying throughout the program, it's a lot about communication. How often are you, communic- are you communicating with your clients, your staff, the partners? Uh, at, like, is there such thing as too much? Well, look, there's always, you know, listening to your previous piece with uh, with uh, Jean-Claude in terms of, you know, and, and Dan's commentary about, you know, less is more in certain cases. Um, when it comes to communication, it's very hard to find that balance. Um, you know, I think the the key message being remote, uh, I'm always not the, I'm not the greatest person to be an ongoing communicator, but I think times like this require a little bit of sanity check and a little bit of, uh, of, of uh, decompression for people. So as far as uh, clients are concerned, um, I've been sending out a couple of times a week some updates to a select group of, uh, of uh, contacts and, and clients and friends uh, of what's going on in and around the community as well um, daily. And we, we committed to this uh, day one back in March of, of the COVID crisis is there's an update that goes out to our entire team uh, every day. So you're being very transparent with them with everything that's going on? 100%. Um, and we're holding um, an exec meeting and uh, partner meeting, equity partner meetings every Wednesday morning by Zoom. So there's been more communication probably in the last six months than there probably been for the last five years. Um, but yeah, the transparency of what's going on in the office in terms of, you know, to this point, we have left uh, the team uh, as is. We're paying everybody 100%. Everybody is... Uh, being compensated as if it was business as usual, um, but uh, we all know that it's not. Um, but that is all a function of what goes on uh, over the next few months, the marketplace uh, and health situations. But we are trying to be as open with them as possible, telling them if we can continue to move forward, we're all moving forward together. Our plan was set out at the beginning, which was quite clear that whatever we do over the next few months, we do as a team. So there's not going to be a one layoff here or one layoff there. There's not going to be one cut if, uh, you know, we're doing it all as one group. So I think that's about as transparent as you can be with, with a group, especially when they're not sitting in front of you on a daily basis. When things get back to normal, whatever that really means, do you think there are some changes that we're put in place now that'll remain permanent? 
Well, I think the, the ongoing use of uh, remote work will probably expand dramatically from where it was. They were more one-off situations or more exceptional cases. So I think that flexibility, uh, the remote work, the technology, certainly where we had to upgrade uh, a few pieces, uh, certainly um, will maintain, you know, once you've built it, you might as well maintain it going forward. There were a number of things that required uh, from an IT perspective, uh, obviously we didn't have as many licenses as we would normally have. We had to go out and get more licenses. The system wasn't built to have 100 people working remotely from home. So all of these things that have been upgraded will certainly stay in place going forward. Just before we wrap up, and it's it's the last show of Today's Entrepreneur before we uh, we take a little break until the fall, what would be your one piece of advice, kind of the last piece of advice before we break for the season for Today's Entrepreneur in a Crisis? Execution. Uh, I think there's enough people out there right now that, that are uncertain. Uh, they are looking for people to lead. They are looking for people to make decisions. They are looking for people to take the bull by the horns, if you will, in order to help get things done. Uh, most people have a very, very difficult time in, in crisis mode of being able to make a solid decision and sticking to it. And I think the, the, the corollary to that statement is once you've made a decision, if it's the wrong one, don't hesitate to keep fixing it until you get it right. Excellent advice, Mike. Thanks so much. And yeah, I feel it's, uh, it's time for entrepreneurs to get proactive this summer, and I'll be trying to do that myself. So thank you for the wisdom. Uh, thank you, Josh, for, uh, for another great season, uh, ending on a bit of a uh, weird note, I would say. Yeah, it's uh, not necessarily uh, the most upbeat, but it's very real and things that entrepreneurs have to deal with day in, day out in some way, shape or form. And thanks, as always, to FL Montreal for sponsoring this program for over a decade, and especially at this critical time, continuing with that commitment uh, in remote digital form. So we appreciate that. And you can visit flmontreal.com uh, for their full COVID-19 relief program. And you can help uh, understand those, uh, uh, those new government support measures and how to apply them to your business. Josh, have an excellent summer, or as excellent as, as it can be under the circumstances, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Stay safe, Dan. Stay healthy, everybody. of TNKR Media. Good talk.